Friends, the moment you've all been waiting for is finally here. Ohio State ready to take the field against Notre Dame to kick off the 2022 campaign. Let's talk about it and what you can expect this weekend, this season in Ohio State football. Welcome to the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance, along with my partner in crime, Johnny Ginner. Johnny, the 2022 season is finally upon us. We have survived the long off season. The Buckeyes are once again one of the favorites to make the college football playoff. Seems like all is right in the world. As you head into the season, what are your biggest questions for this Ohio State football team and program? Well, I mean, obviously, number one is the defense and who's going to step up, who's going to be the star. Will Jim Knowles, um, you know, scheme translate quickly? And really, more specifically, this is the biggest thing, right? We keep hearing this out of camp from Jim Knowles himself, from the players. We got the scheme. We got it locked down. This is going to be great. I've got all these amazing players and athletes to implement this thing. You know, it's taken me a little bit in the past. You know, my defense is up and running, but we're not going to have that problem at Ohio State because they're just so damn talented and smart and everything's going to be great. Cool. But I want to see that in action and against Notre Dame albeit a very depleted Notre Dame team, you're going to have a chance to prove that. So that's number one for me. The other thing that I really want to see and that I'm curious about is, is honestly the running game. And I don't have any concerns about the passing game. I mean, it is what it is. You got CJ Stroud, probably the best quarterback in the country. You've got probably the best wide receiver core in the country with, in my opinion, the best wide receiver period in the country. That That's all fine. Um, I'm a little curious to see if, uh, Trayvon Henderson uh, takes the next step or has a little bit of a regress. And if that does happen, what, you know, what do they do with Mayan Williams? How many carries does he get? I really think that the difference between an Ohio state football team that wins the big 10 and goes to college football playoff and an Ohio state team that wins the big 10 goes to college football playoff and wins a national championship is going to be, the cohesiveness of the defense and doesn't have to be great just has to be cohesive and good and smart and then also can the running game be consistent especially on third and short um basically any kind of clutch situation where they struggled sometimes last season so those are the two big things that i'm going to be looking for yeah and this question about the defense to me is is first last most important question i mean really it's the only big question i have personally there are other you know questions you say oh i'm curious about this i wonder about that and we're going to talk about some of those but to me this is where it all rubber meets the road nothing really else matters if ohio state can get the ship righted on defense i think they're going to win a truckload of football games maybe all of the football games and and if nothing else it's going to be a lot of fun to watch my biggest question is going to be if they really do truly turn this thing into a top five defense, that's, that's the goal. It sounds like, uh, from Jim Knowles and, you know, to his credit for saying that that's the goal, the man has been paid being paid nearly $2 million a year. So it's very clear Ohio yeah. state expects big things from this man. And by all indications, he's the guy to take him back to the promised land. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. Like you, Everything looks great. Everything's trending where you want it to be trending, right? You, you want to see all of the things that you've seen. Uh, I just, I'm a skeptical man, Andy, and I, I want to see that stuff actually play out on the field before I'm, I'm going to get super excited or, you know, push my chips all in on, on this team for the national championship, or at least make a run at it because I don't know. I have been burned in the past by players and, you know, coaches and things like that who've said, well, we've got it all figured out. We're going to do it. We're going to be great. And then it doesn't happen. And look, Ohio State in 2015 had one of the most loaded teams I can think of, period, in college football, right, in, in recent memory. I mean, they, they had so much top to bottom offense, defense, incredible depth, skill position players that were amazing. And then uh, they couldn't figure out their offense all of a sudden. And they had some defensive lapses and all of that talent and all that preparation and all that kind of, you know, stuff that they were really, you know, high on prior to the season just did not pan out in crunch time. Now, granted, they still had a fantastic season, but they didn't win a national championship again. They didn't go to the national championship again. And 
that to me just kind of signifies how razor thin some of the margins are when it comes to this, because it's not Ohio State's going to be really great this year. That That's not the debate. The debate is whether or not they're going to be able to win a national championship. And the difference between a national championship and, you know, not even making the playoff is as little as one game. And so that's really the thing. Like, are they going to be able to sustain excellence for an entire season or, you know, even if they can't, are they going to be able to get the breaks when they need or, you know, make sure that they play really, really well in, in November? I mean, all, all of these things kind of have to align and, and it becomes a lot easier when you have superior talent and everything's going your way and you've got a great defensive scheme and all that kind of stuff. Um, but all it takes is one slip and we've seen that happen in the past. So, you know, I, I hope that this is a team with enough veteran leadership, enough talent to avoid that kind of slip, but I think you're going to get an early test of where the team is mentally. And if they come out like gangbusters against Notre Dame, then look out because that's, that will set the tone, I think for the rest of the season. Yeah. And you talked about veteran leadership, you know, the, the, the question there I'm really looking forward to, I think in a positive way, you know, the, the, you could look at this glass as half full glass is half empty. You can look at this glass as half empty and be like, well, you know, gosh, do, do they have a, a Boza or a Chase Young, and they and they thought maybe, um, you know, they they would have some names that have have stepped up uh, and and fill in that role uh, that you know didn't materialize last year. Could Jack Sawyer be a guy who ends up being a, a huge difference maker in this sort of uh, hybrid position that that we think we might see him in? Uh, who knows? But I am glasses half full side of this. Really looking forward to see who the leaders are on that side of the ball and, and who are the names that we're talking about a week from today as mm -hmm. guys who really stepped up to leave their mark on the game. Cause I think you're, you're going to need to see some of these guys who have been solid, but maybe not spectacular players really play up to their potential because I think there's still a lot of potential there. No doubt in my mind, you know, the defensive line is, is going to have to be as good or better than it has been during Larry Johnson's tenure, because I, I do have some concerns about the depth in the defensive backfield. Uh, but, you know, Larry Johnson, just, I can't say enough about that guy. He's, he's bar none, the best in the business and he does have some depth. So I think there's a lot of, of excitement there. And if he can continue to harness those guys, the way he has, um, you know, basically his entire career, then that's going to give Jim Knowles a lot of room to work to get, the the backfield to back to silver bullet type status right and you know that's the thing too i mean you look at the roster and you look at all the guys and and there are i think for ohio state football fans you may go like okay these are these are some dudes that i can kind of i can believe in you know what i mean like that that's one of the big things i think for fans you, you want to be able to look at a unit you say the the safeties or the defensive backs and go okay that guy's solid right you got proctor you got you got denzel burke got all these guys okay then that and once you have that and once you know that there are people that you can rely on for a fan at least that makes a game a lot easier to watch and i think for a coaching staff it makes it a lot easier to game plan for because you you have confidence in the guys that you are coaching and sometimes i think it's really obvious and easy to figure out what parts of a team uh, a coaching staff has um confidence in and what parts they don't have confidence in you know what i mean like you can mm -hmm. see it as as the as the, you know the game goes on who are they sending multiple guys to like what side of the field are they really worried about? Right. Like Denzel Burke doesn't have a bunch of dudes around him to help him, you know, lock down the other team's number one wide receiver. They're not worried about that. Um, are they, you know, are, are they like shifting over linebackers or safeties to try to help with the pass rush, that kind of stuff. Um, that's, what's really, you know, interesting to me in this whole thing is, is, is who do they have, faith in who do they believe in and a guy like you know they talk about like tommy eichenberg okay well that's great I, I love the fact that you know he's he's being tabbed as as this guy who's picked up all of this stuff in the you know on the defense and, and has, has made that leap um the thing is though and and this is what if you're an ohio state fan i think you need to look out for is where is the production going to come from eichenberg had 17 tackles i think in the uh, in the rose bowl that's not going to be 
the norm. And, and frankly, it shouldn't be the norm because you don't want to have one guy being relied upon to, to do that. So if you're looking at the linebackers, for example, right? Like, obviously you're, you're going to be dealing with a, a much different scheme and, you know, and you're going to see different guys who are, are going to be back there and there's not going to be the same kind of roles, but you know, that's what I'm talking about. When you want a defense to take that next step, Okay, well, if Tommy Eichenberg is being tabbed as a guy to do that, then he better do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. not going to have a billion tackles, but he better be consistent week to week. And because that's that's one of those positions where you need to have leadership, you need to have consistency. And it's the same thing with, you know, with McAllister and, and all, you know, as a, I think as a transfer, that's a really interesting um, scenario as well. But um, just top to bottom, there, there's so many small kind of nascent storylines that I think we're going to have to kind of keep an eye on, particularly on the defense. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about Knowles being the new guy and uh, Larry Johnson being the legend, but we also, of course, uh, haven't said much about Tim Walton and Perry Eliano, both new guys Mm -hmm. on the staff. So be interesting to see what kind of fingerprints they leave. All the focus is on Jim Knowles. Oh, geez. Yeah. See here, this is, that's the really interesting thing about these defensive storylines is we've talked so much about, Jim Knowles and what he brings to the table and all the expectations are on him, but you, you've, you've also got to recognize that it really is almost an entirely new staff with the exception of the living yeah. Larry, Larry Johnson. Uh, and, and th- maybe that's part of the reason why I still have this big question, like, okay, can they really get it done? And, and when I kept hearing top five, top five, top five, okay. Is that, is that really a thing? Right. Because there's a lot, there's a lot of change. There's a, just a whole lot of change here. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Other side of the ball. Can anyone stop Ohio state's defense? Will this again be the best defense, the best offense in the sport of college football this season? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Like the offensive line. I mean, really, if you want to look for any kind of weakness or flux, I guess you look at the offensive line, right? Um, I mean, Tuan Jones is about as solid as it's going to get. And, and Luke Whipler, like, really, really good and, and kind of an unsung hero, I think, on the offensive line in a lot of ways. Um, I, I mean, I guess if, if you are interested in seeing, you know, how Paris Johnson does it left tackle, I guess. I, I mean, again, the, the offensive line is going to have to be solid. I, I expect them to be solid because – the skill position players are so freaking good and, and just unbelievably dominantly athletic. I mean, it's not, I mean, skill is a big part of this, obviously. I mean, if you look at, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson last year, I think Olave is a perfect example of a guy who, you know, <laughs> if you're looking at a skill stat and Madden or something like that, it, his hands, all that stuff is just maxed out. His athleticism is still very, very good. I mean, you saw his combine numbers. The guy is just unbelievably fast and, and athletic, but like his ability to contort his body into positions to get the ball and all that kind of stuff, his, you know, his work with his hands, all that kind of thing. Um, that's great and fantastic. I just feel like the wide receivers that you see on this team are going to be able to overwhelm people with just sheer athleticism, say nothing of their talent, which again, they do have, but a guy like Marvin Harrison jr. Who's basically, you know, six, three going to be just out muscling everybody, you know, for the ball. I mean, I don't know how you put an average DB or an average size DB on that guy, because that's just, you know, a horrific matchup. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba is a guy who combines that athleticism and talent. And then Julian Fleming. Okay. Number one guy, uh, Emeka is going to be out there doing things that no other wide receiver on any team, save for maybe a couple that Ohio State plays, can do. And he's essentially slotted as the backup to the Z, right? So, like, there's so much talent in the offensive side of the ball just at the wide receiver position. But then when you add it, Travion Henderson may not be super consistent, but he's a great pass-catching running back. Mine Williams, I think, averaged almost seven yards per carry last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you've got CJ Stroud. So the offense, if they're not the best or in the top three in terms of uh, offense, I think something terribly wrong has happened. But I, I think, again, back to 2015, where you had all of these advantages. And the reason why that did so 
poorly, the reason why they, they perform so under expectations is because they had a lot of issues with staff cohesion where the people in charge of the offense just could not agree on what to do. And the coach had a really stupid idea about how to handle a quarterback controversy. None of that's present. <laughs> like yeah. the guy running the offense is the head coach. He has a pretty clear idea about how he wants that to progress. I don't think there's going to be any internal division about what's going to happen on offense. And there's certainly no debate about who the starting quarterback is. So with all of that in mind, I don't see anybody slowing them down significantly. Um, Notre Dame can try. I mean, they've got a good defense, but just overbearing talent. I think if I'm going to simplify this whole rant into two words, overbearing talent is how I would describe Ohio State's offense. I'm so excited to see, you know, who, who the, you know, the breakout star is. And, and to me, the guy I'm most excited in that category is route man Marv, which, you know, yeah. him a breakout star is, is a bit disingenuous because he's probably the guy we've talked about the most, uh, you know, his name to the freak athletes list and all this sort of right. thing over the off season. So it's not like, Oh, he's a guy that's been sitting back here. Nobody's ever heard of, um, but it's just cause he's, he's just physically, he's yeah. so good. It, it's, it has nothing to do with, you know, we think this guy is like the next, you know, Jerry Rice or whatever like that. There's just no, there are certain matchups in college football that are very unfavorable to the defense. Him being on the field is one of those matchups. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It's like that's, that's what I'm saying really with all of this is that there are, there are good matchups and there are bad matchups and there are just bad matchups all over the field for whatever defense plays Ohio state's offense. Yeah. And looking at, looking at his Rose bowl film again, you know, just that, I mean, what a debutante ball that was um, yeah. because everybody's like, Oh no, Chris Olave, what's that going to be like? And poof, didn't matter. you know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. Uh, I, the, the one question I do have, okay. Two questions. One, you highlighted the concern about offensive line. What does it look like when we're not running an all tackle offensive line? Right. Uh, hopefully more gooder. That would, that would be fine. Uh, yeah. but then also, you know, Kevin Williams, uh, Kevin Wilson kind of, uh, you know, piqued my curiosity when he was like, uh, oh, short yardage games, not where it needs to be like, wait, 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 right. what do you mean? Tell me more about that coach. My hope is that that is just like some smoke about the fact that we no longer have a quarterback that we're going to run 28 times a game, sure. uh, you know, but I mean, I think that's a very real concern because the loss to Michigan where did Ohio state lose that game? Well, I mean, of course, setting aside the defense, cause you know, that's a thing. Yeah. But that was a, that was a competitive game, right. And the, but the, the short yardage game, oh, yeah. you know, and, and same thing again, when you look back at the Oregon loss, they just couldn't get anything going on the ground. Couldn't get anything right. going on the ground. And so you've, you've got to see that improve. And I, I mean, I feel like, and you, you highlighted some of the names that are going to be central to making that happen. I feel like they've got the horses to get it done. Justin Fry, hey man, you know, we, we all eyes are on you in this regard right. because there was a reason that Ryan Day said peace out, adios, fire con Dios to Greg Stadrawa after a lot of those many years and mm -hmm. bring in Justin Fry from UCLA. Right. Uh, you know, like Jim Knowles, there's going to be a, nobody's been talking about Justin Fry to speak of uh, all offseason compared because the focus has been so much on the defense. But I, I think there is um, a lot that needs to be to be done there to, to say, yeah, this was, a, this was a good move. So a lot of expectations I, for me anyway, personally for the new guy there to get this um, offensive line and running game, those two things together. It's not just one or the other, the offensive line and the running game. So the offensive line did just fine in pass protection. So offensive they line did. They were great game. in pass protection. Yep. Yep. The I thing is though, and, and here's the thing though, and that's where a guy like CJ Stroud can paper over a lot of those deficiencies, because even if you do struggle a little bit in the you know short yardage running game, um, if you've got a guy who is completing, you know, 73% of his passes and throwing for 300 yards every game and five wide receivers at any given time who would start for any other team in the country on the field, like, Yes, you've got to get better in short yards, obvious short yard situations. But on the other hand, that doesn't always necessarily involve running the ball. So I, I think there are some things that they can do creatively if they aren't super confident in that, which other teams that would be like taking a risk 
with Ohio State this season, I don't know that it necessarily is that. I, I think that they can get creative in ways that other teams wouldn't be as confident in doing because they don't they don't have the horses. Um, but if you want to put Mayan Williams and, and Trayvon Henderson and split Henderson out, you know, a little bit and then put Williams in the backfield, that in of itself, like that, that again, for other teams, that's grasping at straws. For Ohio State, I think that's a completely valid and legitimate offensive game plan, you know? So like, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about here. I'm super high on this offense and, and that may, again, blow up in my face, but I just, I don't see it. It's, they're just too damn good. Well, and uh, I've been on the record all off season long, you know, for, for all of the questions I just threw out there <laughs> that I have about this, this offense and the offensive line and the running game and so on. Uh, I'm, I'm 100% on the page that this will be the best offense in college football. And, and furthermore, I think it will be as long as Ryan day chooses to be the coach here, uh, or until the squad gives me reason to change my mind, uh, which, you know, has not happened during his tenure here. So I'm, I'm all on board to me, you know, I've said it once I'll say it probably a hundred more times or, well, maybe I won't say it at all after next weekend. Who knows? I guess we'll see. As long as this defense sucks 30% less than it did last year, Ohio State's going to have a fantastic season. I I have so few questions in my mind about the offense in terms of questions that really, really matter. Let's ask a really important question of you. Uh, And this was an inspiration I got from uh, a great piece Garrick Hodge put together as part of our 2022 season preview package at 11warriors.com. I hope you have been following along. Fantastic pieces from the the entire staff the beat team uh and and everybody involved in really previewing the most exhaustive preview of ohio state's 2022 season available go back and read them if you missed any of them uh but johnny is uh is cj stroud the heisman trophy winner when the dust settles this year uh yeah i mean if I'm making a prediction, which I don't like to do because I'm always wrong, but you know what I mean? You just always pick against Ohio state. You that's you true. And that, and you know what? And that's, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's <laughs> karmic, karmic, uh, consequences for my stupidity. And honestly, yeah, I'm going to say that he does it. The only rule that is maintained with the Heisman is that nobody gets to win it twice after mm-hmm. Archie. I, I don't think that'll always be the case, but I also think that, it's just harder to win it twice, mostly because um, people get bored and they're looking for the next thing and they like narratives and, you know, people who are not a previous winner will not get the benefit of the, or well, yeah, they, they'll get the benefit of the doubt over the previous winner because then people start picking that guy apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a lot harder, I think, to repeat maybe than it was in the seventies. Um, and CJ Stroud obviously is going to have every opportunity to, to win this thing. Most importantly, I think because the season's going to culminate in a Michigan game that's going to be apocalyptic. I mean, it doesn't even matter where the two teams are, honestly. Like if they're both, if they both underperform during the season, lose a couple games, whatever, that's going to be apocalyptic because that's going to be, you know, their default national championship. If one team is looking great and headed for, you know, the college football playoff and the other one isn't, that's going to be apocalyptic because both teams are going to be, you know, just completely insane. And then if they're both right there, that will just be, you know, burn Columbus down territory. So uh, no matter what happens, that's going to be nuts. And if CJ Stroud balls out in that game and is able to cap a really good, what should be a really good season for him, uh, that might be the, the final you know, ballot that has to be cast to get him that trophy so for me you know if all goes according to plan and it should uh, i think the guy takes the heisman i i I really do yeah he's yeah that's exactly my expectations as well that uh uh, the table set for him that that opportunity to get a heisman moment uh in the most important weekend of the season you know he's going to start the challenge probably the thing that would keep me from just straight up saying oh yeah he's gonna get done is because he's starting out with all the expectations just what you said about why it's harder to win two in a row. I think it's also a bit harder to start the season as the favorite and run the table. That that to me, because yeah. the expectations are there and everybody's going to be right. watching. And if you have one down game, they go, oh, well, you know, you kind of you know, stunk right. it up against, you know, who cares state. Uh, you know, that, that could present a challenge. But again, he has the opportunity to make the strongest closing argument because you play 
you know, when it's on the line, when it matters, think about all the things that will almost certainly be at stake there. Not the least of which being Ohio state getting back in the win column and exacting some revenge against a team that we're going to talk about more later in the broadcast, uh, that team up North, because it would be wrong for us to preview the season without actually taking a sigh, a, a look at the other side of the coin in this rivalry. So we'll do that a little bit later on. One thing I think we have to touch on as part of our season preview here at the 11 Dudcast, Johnny, is that there's a, a new a, a new name in town. Ohio Stadium, actually, apparently, oh. uh, Ohio State's powers that be avid readers of 11 Warriors that they are, uh, took an April Fool's Day piece published on the site in, I believe, 2017 and said, you know, yeah, <laughs> that Wait don't sound minute. half bad, campers. Uh, Ohio Stadium now will have a, a new named sponsor. The playing surface in the horseshoe will forevermore, or at least until the end of the current contract, be known as Safe Light Field, Safe Light Field at Ohio Stadium or something along those lines. The name of the stadium hasn't changed. I thought this was very well played. Good, good job, marketers. But we'll name the field in much the same way that you have the uh, value city arena at the Jerome Schottenstein center. Here we have the safe lot field at Ohio stadium. Doesn't that just fill your heart with, with warmth and gladness, Johnny, knowing that, that we have sort of held back the, the tide of corporatism in college sports by not actually changing the name of the stadium itself, which is, uh, you know, a hallowed hall of college football tradition, but, but we have kept alive the great tradition of selling, anything else that ain't quite nailed down <laughs> to help pay right. for the program moving forward. Well, if we were going to act for it as inspiration for, you know, the company that Ohio state decided they were going to eventually sell the naming rights of the field to, I'm a little mad that we didn't maybe pick something a little bit more ridiculous or, you know, like, I don't know, Jack and Benny's field presented <laughs> yeah. or like, or, 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 I mean, if you want to keep it in the Columbus area, like, uh what the laughing ogre i think that would be pretty oh, good that would nice. be a pretty fantastic uh you know naming field you put a little put a little comic book flair on there um what are some other i don't know what are some other uh good columbus jenny's ice cream field at ohio stadium i think might be a, a you know a legitimate enterprise that's all i'm saying i, I feel like we should is great i'm kind great. of a graders man myself but you know i am either, too i prefer I, either way i i like the idea of a little ice cream uh Little ice cream sponsorship never did anything, uh, did anybody wrong. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, it's, it's funny to me, uh, but I'm, like I said, just a little salty that we didn't, uh, we didn't get more input. You know, Ohio state didn't approach 11 warriors as they should have and said, Hey guys, we know that you're really invested in this whole thing. What do you think? They didn't do that. And I'm, I'm a little upset about it. Yeah. Miss on their part, total miss, but but hey, we're glad that we could play some small role in the process. Uh, very happy about that myself. All right. Um, we're going to talk a little bit now about the game itself. Ohio State foot hits the ball Saturday in uh, Ohio Stadium at Safe Light Field versus Notre Dame. The first top five clash for the Buckeyes in the season opener, like whatever, I, I think something like yeah. that. I remember the stat was pretty crazy. The, the, the hype for this game is pretty good, particularly considering I think that you and I, neither one, think this will be all that close when it comes to the final score. Why is this game so hype if neither of us think this is going to be a, a super tightly fought battle? Oh, well, because it's it's Notre Dame, right? I mean, that's that's pretty much it. It's Wait, let me let me frame this a little different way then, because you're right, it is because it's Notre Dame, but is Notre Dame really a top five team? If if we think well, Ohio State's going to beat them by, you know, what? I think the line now is like 18 and a half, something like that. Yeah, we, it's really know, high. We, but here's the thing. It's Notre Dame's a top five team every year until proven otherwise because they're Notre Dame. And then that's, they they get the ultimate benefit of the doubt because that people want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, and that's stupid. However, however, the reason why it's 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 stupid but still accurate is because that's what gets people excited. That it's not about Notre Dame the team, it's about Notre Dame the mythology, it's about yeah. Notre Dame the helmets, it's about Notre Dame the television ratings. It's it's not it's not about the team. So 
you know, it's it's a super hyped game and people will be very excited and they should be and it's going to be the hottest ticket in town and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's because it's Notre Dame and, and not because they're good, but because of the name recognition and the branding. And here's the thing, like Notre Dame, if Notre Dame was coming into this completely healthy, um, no problems like on offensive line where they've, you know, got some potentially persistent injuries or, you know, like at running back, but which obviously has some, has some problems in terms of injuries. If, if they came in with the full roster, they still would not be favored in this game. And Ohio state would still probably be, you know, around a touchdown favorite um, because they just, there are some, you know, clear deficiencies on their team. Um, but, you know, that also puts a lot of expectations on Ohio state. So, you know, if, if you're favored to win by almost three touchdowns, then you better win by almost three touchdowns. That's, that's what, you know, we just talked them up for the past 20 minutes and said how talent, you know, how much talent this team has and how disgustingly skilled they are. Well, that's great, but now it's pretty obvious that America wants them to go ahead and prove it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, you know, when you look at this Notre Dame team, of course, there's, there's a lot of intrigue here first year head coach who has ties to the program that he's facing in this season opener, certainly Marcus Freeman, uh, I think prior to taking the role of head coach at Notre Dame was pretty well beloved, uh, among Ohio state faithful. He's ruffled some feathers on more than one occasion. This off season certainly, uh, has taken a couple of what I don't know if he intended to be shots, but they certainly came across to Ohio state fans as shots at his, alma mater um i don't know that i would want to be in marcus freeman's shoes going into this game with with all of that on the table particularly considering he's got a new starting quarterback uh and my god the number of injuries which which again is probably part of the reason that i think you and i are so high on ohio state's yeah likelihood to win this thing running away well- and, and the thing is, I mean, Notre Dame still has a really good defense and that, that, and, and probably, I mean, not probably assuredly the best tight end in the country. Right. I mean, they, they have functional parts of this team. I don't, I don't want people to, to go ahead and think that like, Oh, well, I'm just saying like Notre Dame's, you know, total trash and they don't have any, you know, players and all that. Cause that's not true. They, they have a lot of very talented players and, you know, defensively, I think they'll probably be one of, if not the best teams that Ohio State ends up playing. So there's going to be so much pressure on their offense to get anything done. I mean, they're talking about Logan Diggs coming back, right? And and he's a the sophomore running back who was injured, looks like he was kind of questionable for Ohio State. Logan Diggs, you know, he had like less than four and a half yards per carry last year. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, as long as he's back, we're good. Well, He's not that he hasn't shown that he's a very good running back yet. Yeah. He had a, he had a less than mediocre freshman season where he only ran for 230 yards. So that's, that's really where they're at. It's not, it's not that they don't have talent. It's just that they don't are going to be able to field a lot of that talent. Mm-hmm. And um, Ohio state's just going to be able to put so much offensive pressure on them that I just, you know, it's not a game that I foresee being a super high scoring one, mostly because I think this is going to be one of those, battles of attrition and and that's really the smartest thing that i think marcus freeman can do is to try to shorten the game as much as humanly possible and and just say okay well if we get a couple touchdowns and then you know not allow ohio state to get 15 possessions and maybe we got a shot at this but uh that that's that's really their only play and and if ohio state knows that then they're going to be able to game plan against it Mm -hmm. yeah i i agree with that wholeheartedly and it's been quite a long time since Notre Dame's beaten Ohio State, you got to go back to, uh, you know, before the Second World War. To <laughs> I'm still me. mad about that, by the way. Well, it's kind of like finding it's what fuels my fire to this very day. Yeah, it's kind of like you know going back to to a time when when Michigan was actually winning titles, you know, and right. sort of <laughs> right, or not sharing them. Yeah, yeah, it's an ancient history. Um, but Ohio State, uh, you know, definitely has the upper hand in the series, uh, I think currently four and two against the golden domers. So see if they can't extend that lead here on Saturday. Uh, one I'm very, very excited about another thing I'm very excited about before we get to our favorite segment of the program is the 20th reunion of the 2002 national championship team. Uh, friends, if you are of the mind that Ohio state will win another national championship this football season, then you better get it started right. There are single seat tickets now available for the 20th reunion 
of the 2002 national championship team hosted by 11 warriors and land grant beer uh, love love land grant beer uh september 2nd that is coming up um you can join the vest himself the great man the senator from youngstown jim tressel along with uh, other members of the team craig krenzel maurice claret um it, it, God, the, the number of guys who are going to be there at that game for that really special night super cool um you can find details and ticket link to the tickets uh, available at 11warriors.com you peep our social profiles you'll find the link to uh, where you can buy tickets for that great event so go and do that single seat tickets are still available you don't want to miss out on that one uh and also a good time to remind you that the dry goods store at 11warriors.com is our sponsor now and forevermore the place to get you outfitted for this season of seasons that we all expect coming down the line hats t-shirts stickers fine bar fair finalia uh, and some of the new shirts, I can't stress enough how fantastic. I love my 11 Warriors shirts. Anyway, my 85 yards through the heart of the South is one of my most comfortable t-shirts. So comfortable. In fact, I ordered a second one um, because I wear them so frequently. The t-shirts are fantastically high quality and the designs are great. So check them out. Drygoods.11warriors.com. Johnny, let's go to the mailbag for Ask Us Anything, our favorite segment of the program. What do we have this week? Well, we remind you that if you want to send us questions and ask us literally anything, you can do so by sending them to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And by the way, I want to start with Cal Poppy here, who uh, just wanted to um, bring to my attention uh, earlier today that uh, Weird Al, the, the weird is the name of the movie, the Weird Al, the Al Yankovic story. Uh, the official trailer is now. So if you haven't checked that out, please do so. Uh, he says that he's he's adding me here. Uh, because I mentioned Weird Al once in a skull session like nine and a half years ago uh, oh, nice. and answered one ask us anything question about here's the thing Weird Al was the uh, first concert that I ever attended as a kid and uh, he was also the second concert that I ever attended as a kid <laughs> and I was a huge Weird Al fan as, as a nerdy little as a nerdy little guy so I'm definitely gonna check this out with Daniel Radcliffe and uh, Rain Wilson as <laughs> Dr. Demento which if you haven't seen the trailer which I know you guys haven't but if you haven't seen the trailer, uh, Rain Wilson, who was uh, uh, Dwight Schrute in The Office, plays Dr. Demento. And Dr. Demento, you know, was the guy who uh, got a lot of these kind of um, uh, parody guys and, and, and comic artists and, and comedians their start on the radio uh, with this kind of variety show hour. And uh, he was... <laughs> You know, always photographed as this guy with this enormous beard and a, wore a tuxedo and a giant top hat. And uh, Ray, Rain Wilson in this trailer wears nothing but that exact outfit in every single scene that they show him. <laughs> so I'm actually really excited about this. This it looks like it's going to be a parody of um, of uh, you know the the music biopics, kind of in the vein of Walk Hard. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I will definitely be checking that out. I so. love it, love and as should all of you because it's it's going to be great. Let's be real. Um, all right. So this question here, this is from Kevin. So uh, he says, I'm going to the Rose Bowl in January and the stunning Mrs. Uh, Sweeney wants to go to the Rose Bowl parade. <laughs> so I will accompany her. The football game has been on my bucket list since 1980s. Are you planning to go into foot any football games this fall or winter? Are you going to any other games? Yeah, good question. Uh, By the way, good for you. That's great. That'll be a really, that'll be a fun time. And that is, that is on my bucket list as well. Not, I mean, not just the game, the parade. I mean, the whole kit and caboodle. We, yeah. as a family, watch the parade every year um love love the tournament roses parade love everything about just the, the the rose bowl i frankly the rose bowl and the parade and the pageantry and tradition is one of the reasons that i'm actually pretty high on um usc joining the big 10 mm. i know that's sort of a weird like connection there that i'm making but it's i i don't know i just love that whole and i've never been so it's very high i had a, had a dear friend call me like the day of the game uh god this has probably been 10 or 15 years ago now and they called and were like hey i've got i've got an extra ticket in our suite um the company she worked for had had a suite there or whatever and uh, do you want to go and i was like i'm in ohio because <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't at the game she's like oh I just assumed you'd be here. You're such a big Ohio state fan. I thought, you know, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me see if I can get a flight the last minute. Right. To... <laughs> oh, geez. Angeles. You're right. I didn't think about that. Well, okay. <laughs> but it Let's is, a... uh, I would Thanks say, that out. 
I'm, I'm my my intentions are to be at homecoming. Um, I, I'm, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago. So I'm president of my the Ag College Alumni Society this year. So I'll be there for alumni events. Um, so that that one's probably on the part of our challenge um, as a family, particularly once school starts and fall with football and all the sort of thing. Our our hobby of going to dog shows and a lot of the dog show weekends. You know, do you go to a football game or do you go show the dog somewhere and it's, it becomes a challenge. So I don't know what my, what my game schedule will be yet. Um, I definitely want to get together with some, some friends who are coming in for games though. So I'll end up going to one, I'm sure maybe more than one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, it's difficult with a, with a, you know, a very, yeah, you have a better life. excuse than I do. Yeah. That, but you know what, honestly, like I, I haven't been able to get out to a game uh, in recent years, regardless. And it kind of, like it's it's just you know circumstance in general and also now it, it's even harder because i'm working on alternate saturdays which is difficult um but i would say if the opportunity arose and it was the right game i would i would make it happen and you know what and as you know we did bring uh our you know my son to uh to his first sporting event here recently so I think he's ready for a three and a half hour football game. I think he would be fine. <laughs> right. And you, and you know what we he did stayed with the for little... one and a half innings of a baseball game. He can definitely upgrade to a football game. He'll be fine. He'll be well, fine. what we did with the little tyke when she was, well, her first Ohio state game, she was probably a little older than your son. Um, yeah. But I mean, we generally like, if we, we try to keep her, you know, engaged until halftime. So she could see the band. Like she loved the band. And then if we ended up having to say, okay, the third quarter, we're driving back to the house and watching the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I don't mind listening to big daddy Paul Keels on the radio for a quarter. I'm a fan. Sure. So that's, that's okay. Um, but yeah, the, the challenge too, uh, you, you know, because we end up writing about these games, right? So um, I'm looking forward to reprising my role of, of uh, writing the debriefing uh, every Sunday morning after the game. And, and uh, one of my, one of my favorite things that I've actually done is writing that particular, that particular column each week. So a lot of times it's, you feel like you see the game better on television now that you have, mm-hmm. you know, massive television and high definition and the ability to pause and rewind and go back and watch something over again and so on. So you feel right. like you can write maybe a little better coverage by watching the film instead of being in the stadium. Yeah, that's a bit that of a challenge. Sense. Yeah. I don't know if that's right or not. That's just that's how it works for me. Um, okay, so this next one here, this is from Joshua F., who says, Am I crazy for really disliking the Big Ten's expansion out west? I'm aware of the money and the prestige that you might get with big matchups on a Saturday night, but it still makes about as much sense as Maryland and Rutgers being the Big Ten to me. Additionally, I think it's an absolute nightmare logistically, especially for non-revenue sports. Um, and then he kind of goes on and talks a little about like, you know, the, the money that some players may not be able to see and all that kind of stuff. I, I think that's, look, I think that's valid. I, I think that it's a good move for the Big Ten ultimately, and I like the idea of, of playing these teams, and I do think that that sets up for future expansion out West, which will be, again, ultimately beneficial to the Big Ten Conference as a whole. However, I, I do understand why somebody would say, this is a little weird, and it's going to be awkward and logistically difficult, which it absolutely will be for at least a few years uh, in the future. So I, I think those are valid concerns. Um you know, the big tens going to be making hand over fist. So they're money hand over fist. So they're going to be, you know, happy no matter how this turns out in terms of, you know, the, the rumbly tummies that people might get over it. But um, I think we will see how weird it is very shortly. <laughs> and I, I think there are some concerns that people might have that might turn out to be pretty valid. So no, I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're crazy. I like it, but I get it. I, yeah, I, I think that's, I, I think that's fair. I'm on, I'm on board with that. Uh, yep. I, I don't know if I have anything. I don't think I have anything more shattering to add than that. Good call, my friend. Uh, okay. So this one's from our good friend, Alvin, who wants to know we're lining up against Kent state uh, this weekend. Well, not this weekend, but you know, that's, let's say that's happening. And Ryan day has to suit you up on the field. What <laughs> position, which really <laughs> grievous error on his part, because yeah. I don't know what kind of like trouble he got himself into that, you know, Johnny Ginter, <laughs> that 37 year old Johnny Ginter is now being like forced, like he's forced to put me out on the field. Anyway, uh, what position are you playing to ensure a Buckeye victory? 
I mean, it's got it can stay. It's got to be like long snapper or holder or something, right? Like I'm not not even long snapper. It's got to be holder. I can hold. I can hold the the football. Yeah, yeah. I can That's, probably do that. I could. Yeah. I would screw it up most of the time, but it shouldn't matter because every time I'm holding it, they scored a touchdown. So it's whatever. Yeah, they that's about okay. that's, that's probably about they'll, they'll, all I got. Uh, I I played so offensive in, instead line of winning and, instead of winning forty five to ten, they'll win like what like forty to ten or whatever, just because they won't make the the extra points. So who cares? They're good. So I'm, yeah. I'm I'll be the holder. I I played uh, you know offensive line in in high school, and it's funny. Um, somebody actually asked me that. I'm not a small human being. I will admit, uh, but somebody asked me the other day. Um, some random person I'm meeting for the first time. They're like, Oh, where'd you go to school? And so I went to Ohio state and said, Oh, did you play football there? And like, I laugh, like it was almost like a spit take. And I'm like, no, I'm way too small to have played football there. Like height wise, you know, especially for mm. a lineman, uh, I might be heavy enough to play the line, but I'm only you know, like six, one, six, two. What do you no, no way was I big enough. And so I said, well, I played high school football, but I sort of figured out pretty early that I wasn't going to be good enough to, you know, play at Ohio state. So, you know, that was kind of that. And I was not really interested in playing or going to school anywhere else, that sort of thing. So what would I play now? 40 year old Andy Vance. Uh, I'm going to be the get back coach, the guy who holds the, the tail of the headset <laughs> keeps Ryan day from getting penalized like you could do that. for jumping out. Yes. Yes. I could do that. I could absolutely do that and would be happy to do that. And let's, uh, Let's let's stick with that as our brilliant plan for Andy saving the season is is making sure Coach Day isn't penalized at the worst possible time for losing his mind and running out on the field. I will be the get back coach. Nice. You know what? I don't think I, I don't think anybody wants to see me like in pads and stuff. You know what I mean? I, I really do feel like that would just be demoralizing and, and stupid. So I, I'm if, picturing if, you kind of like uh, Nigel in the replacements, right? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. similar body types too. That would actually, yeah. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't like smoke smoker, or, but, you know, not a big time gambler or anything no. like that, but uh, you know, that's the same attitude start, and outlook when, on when, life. When honestly. you started talking about, you know, the, your answer, I was like, no, this is perfect. We're going to send Johnny out here, you know, his roughed up hair and he's going to flick yeah. a toothpick or something. And, yeah well actually in my case it would probably be like a dumb dumb lollipop stick yeah because i chew I on this. those this is yeah. perfect that would actually yeah i think you know kind of what is that kind of a kojak thing but you know a really strung out guy <laughs> anyway uh last one here this is from nick in dc who says uh thank you for the outstanding work you do every week on the dubcast well thank oh, you thanks. nick yeah thank you um i am attending the notre game day what hello notre dame game this weekend it will be my first time back in Ohio Stadium since the 2014 Michigan game. Wow, good for you. That's I'm awesome. staying downtown Friday and Saturday night, and I need some advice on how to structure the weekend. Where should mm. I go for dinner and drinks on Friday? <laughs> Land Grant. Yeah. Uh, Saturday will be a long day. Yes, it will. Um, what should be my plan of attack? Best place for pregame lunch is goal session we're seeing. Um, and uh, what are some must-see things on, must see things on campus that have changed over the last eight or so years? Yeah, I think Johnny absolutely hit the nail on the head Friday night. We got that plan for you. Check and check. Yeah, do that. Um, yeah, for sure. Skull session, absolutely worth seeing. You've got to do that at least once. I I've, I don't do skull session every time I go um, because, you know, it is a bit of a process. And I tend to I tend to wander. Yes. I tend to wander tailgates. Like I, I know some people that have different tailgates. So I don't drink a bunch on game day. I must admit that. So don't judge me too harshly there. But I do like to go socialize. At mm -hmm. tailgates and and i have some relatives that put together a really fantastic tailgate and i know there's always going to be great food there so i will go and eat their food and so that sort of uh, obviates the opportunity to do the skull session every time uh, but i do think it is something you need to go and see and do at least once very important there uh, but i will also add that i think it is imperative that you get there in time uh, into the stadium that is in time to see the ramp entrance T to me when yeah when the marching band takes the field and the drum major does the back bend and his plume touches the soil, like I, I'm an old softy, but I just, I get a little choked up every time. Like there's just something about that and singing Carmen, Ohio. Um, I very much get choked up. So that, yeah, this that is one of those me, games where you definitely want to get in the stadium early. Yeah. I have to do it. Very important. Yeah. yeah I agree with that. Uh, you know what? Here's what I would say. So yes, Lang Grant, yeah, you definitely want to check that out and, and see if you can get a ticket and, and head to that. If in lieu of that, if you can't, uh just 
you know, mill around and loiter outside the front of it and then <laughs> and then look forlornly into the, one of the windows, then yeah. maybe somebody will let you in. I think that's also <laughs> a good option as well. Um, on the actual day of, you know, it's it's it is it's going to be a long day. The game is scheduled for like 7:30 or whatever. So that means that it's actually going to start at like 9:30. So you're going to you're going to want to kind of pace yourself. And and so yeah, get a good brunch. There's a number of good brunch slash breakfast places around Columbus. Uh, you know, the aforementioned Jack and Benny's, Tossie's is very good. You know, even just like North Watch, wherever. I mean, there, there's a lot of solid places in addition to Andy's beloved Waffle House that you can check out. Could always do the um, Waffle House. That's true. Yeah. You know, there, there's so again, I say pace yourself. Don't don't walk five miles around campus, all this other stuff before the game um because i'm gonna tell you something like there's some really interesting things going on on campus i don't know that any of them are uh worth checking out <laughs> i think they're great quality of life improvements for the the students there it isn't really one of those things where you go back as alumni and go wow yes this is incredible i'm glad i'm here um you can see a giant useless clock tower that nobody cares about that's fun um they are building a huge addition to the medical center which is actually kind of i mean i've i've biked past that a number of times and it's just that's actually kind of bonkers because it really is like they're doubling the size of it so that's kind of fun to see um but it's right by the stadium so you're going to see it you know anyway um yeah i you know i would pace yourself just soak it in you know what i mean give yourself time to just soak in the atmosphere get there early amble up and down high street just do the college thing man hit up buckeye donuts get a euro buy a really crappy you know knockoff t-shirt on a cor- on the corner of lane and then you're you're good and then yeah poke your head in for the skull session um that should be fun and also you get to brag and say yeah i go to skull sessions you know that's how big a fan i am because you know I, I just love this team so check them out um i also here's the thing this is also one thing that we should not under uh undersell is how big of a celebrity game this is going to be you know they're talking about like brawny so lebron might be potentially here with his son uh all kinds of celebrities it's going to be like the first big college football celebrity event i think of the season so there might be a lot of opportunities to just you know sightsee a little bit and see how people are you know reacting to it and taking it in so that's what i would say don't don't stress about seeing everything because it's really about just soaking up the atmosphere than yes. seeing the sights, in my opinion. So that, Absolutely. that would be my advice. Pace yourself. And then afterwards, you know, go crazy, find a bar or whatever, but you know, prior, just, just enjoy it. Just do it at your own pace and then enjoy it, get in your seats and then go crazy. And that should be fun. So yeah, hundred percent agree. And uh, it, it just soak it all in best advice. I, I think you could have heard, uh, you know, forecast right now looks like it's going to be a warm one high eighties, yep. but it's going to be clear and bright. It's going to be, it's going to be a beautiful day. So enjoy campus. Uh, but as Johnny said, pace yourself, don't go nuts. Just enjoy it. Don't, don't make it a work. Just, just enjoy it. Yep. Uh, okay. That's going to do it for ask us anything. Great questions, my friends. Well done. And you know, Johnny's, we wrap this thing up with a couple buck shots and, and a preview of, of, as I mentioned earlier, a certain football team from the North that we should discuss. You <laughs> mentioned a certain celebrity who could be attending the Notre Dame game, Brownie James, you know, could be considering Ohio state. Uh, are you ready to have a Brownie James basketball Jersey? You, you think this is actually going to happen? Is this a thing that is going to happen? I don't know. I mean, whatever LeBron, whatever LeBron is going to have to do to move heaven and earth to get Brownie on his team at some point before he retires. And that's, what's going to happen. If that involves, you know, him playing at Ohio State for a season and then dipping the NBA, then that is what's going to happen. But if it involves him going in literally anywhere else that makes more sense for whatever LeBron wants to do, then that's that's how it's going to work out, too. But I guess my point is, is that I don't think that any college that's courting LeBron James' son has any say-so whatsoever and how this is going to play out. So you might as well just, you know, say, okay, great, he's here, but just accept the fact that this is going to be a completely, uh, you know, random chance kind of thing oh i would be excited it would be great and also would give lebron a lot of uh opportunity to really juice up the ohio state program and but you know i don't know we'll see we'll see how that plays out 
Ohio State, uh, not the first Big Ten team to kick off its season. Nebraska and Northwestern flew, and am I reading this right, Johnny, to Dublin, Ireland yeah. to play a football game? Their season openers, uh, never a bad idea to go to Ireland. Beautiful country. No. I would love to go there Especially myself. when their internet goes down and they start giving out free alcohol and food. Uh, you know, I, I think I was a little surprised um, that... <laughs> The, the stadium uh, was just giving out free beer, an interesting situation. And maybe that's, maybe that's just a recognition that if you can't sell beer at a football game, you know, things are going to go terribly wrong. So you better just give it away for free. <laughs> you know what though? Because if this were, if that had happened to a stadium or a sporting event in the United States, they would have jacked up prices and said cash only. And we're just going to stash it in like a bag or something like that. And then have like an employee protect that bag with a pizza pan or something like that. So that other people don't try to grab it. There would have been some ridiculous gouging or some stupid thing. And instead the Irish are like, you know what? Eat, drink, who cares? Let's have fun. Have a good time. Have a good time. That is the coolest thing that I can possibly imagine And massive props to Aviva stadium for doing that. Now, granted, I think they were also acknowledging the fact that these fans had traveled, you know, what 11 and a half hours 12 hours via plane to get to ireland and, and watch said game so maybe they're like all right screw it we're just gonna be nice to these guys but um one of the coolest things i can i can think of in recent history that a you know like a sporting venue has done i mean that's that's some really like solid minor league stuff and i don't mean that in a derogatory way i mean like connect with your fans be a cool host i just i don't know i love that that was in my opinion just one of the coolest things I've seen in sports in a long time. I mean, speaking of, you know, 12 hour flights back home, how awkward was that flight? If you're Scott Frost nah. flying back, I mean, you lose 31 to 28, you're pegged to potentially win the West division. And instead now you're the first power five team to lose nine consecutive one score games in uh, since the 2014-16 sweep of Iowa State, which led to a huge shakeup in their staffing, um, under Frost, Nebraska's five and twenty-one in one-score yeah. games. He's bad and dumb. And like the the onside kick, you know, the thing is, I mean, people keep talking about the onside kick. The reason why they keep talking about the onside kick is because that's like some serious, like, okay. So this is going to be kind of a, a stupid reference or a, a nerdy reference here, but Thanos, right? You know, everybody knows Thanos, right? Thanos, the yeah. Avengers villain. Okay. Well, in the comics, the thing about Thanos is that he can be this incredibly intelligent, cunning, powerful guy, but a key component to his character is that he, whatever he is doing, no matter how successful he seems, it is inherent within his character that he will shoot himself in the foot and ultimately cause his own downfall. Nebraska had all of the momentum in that game. Yeah. <laughs> they looked like they had something figured out on offense. They had Northwestern's defense on the ropes a little bit by, you know, doing some, I think some, the quick passing game was working out really well for them. Uh, they had some consistency in the running game. Their defense was getting stops. And then they, they turn a lead into a, a you know, a, a really bad situation where you would think that they could just coast to victory and instead just shoot themselves directly in the foot. And it's almost like it was intentional. Like Scott Frost had, it's like, no, 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 this would be too good. <laughs> I have to make my life harder somehow because I don't trust that this is going well. And it's just, it's weird. It, it's, it's not just a bad coaching decision. It's like an intentionally bad coaching decision. Um, it's self-sabotage and it's, it's odd and weird. And obviously this guy's going to get fired, but not before his buyout reduces by half in early October. Um, which is going to make the rest of the games in September extremely awkward. But yeah, I mean, I don't see how he deserves it. Yeah, I don't see how he survives the season. No, no. I mean, they'd fire him now if it weren't for the buyout. Like that's it's it's absurd. It's it's absolutely patently absurd. And people were pick, picking the the Cornhuskers as possibly being you know a sleeper for that division. Right. It's like no, no, it, they, they're still coached by the same guy. That's not changing. I mean, I, I think, you know, and, and it, this is not a Nebraska football program, but I mean, it really, it really is kind of amazing. If you look, you know, Bo Pelini gets canned basically for being Bo Pelini, 
Uh, he was 67 and 27. They're like, oh, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Not Scott, not good enough. Here's the thing, kids. Uh, I mean, Scott Frost would have to win the next 50 games in a row <laughs> yeah. to match to match. And no, that. he would still have right. a worse coaching. That's he's the crazy 15 part. 15 and 30. Yeah, he, uh, could, he could win the next 50 in a row, and he still would not have as good a record as Bo Pelini did at Nebraska. And here's the thing. Bo Pelini is a giant pain in the ass, and people don't like being around him. But that shows you how big of a risk that you take with this coaching carousel sometimes. And even guys that seem like a sure thing. You know, well, geez, go back Frost. to Frank Solich, right? Like they get God, Frank, yeah. Solich, Frank Solich was 58 and 19. You think they wouldn't take 15, 58 and 19 now? Oh, my God. Yeah. No, they, they just have looked awful, and it looks like they've dug themselves a hole that there's just no possible way in terms of, like, demographics and, you know, competition for recruits, all that kind of stuff that they will ever be able to dig themselves out of. Um, now, granted, that can change with the right coaching hire, but obviously they've shown that they cannot do that right now. So yeah. maybe Trevor Alberts will, Al, Alberts will turn it around. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe. There's certainly that, that's certainly something that could happen out there in the multiverse. He couldn't, uh, <laughs> he couldn't, he couldn't outwit Lou Holtz <laughs> on post game shows, no. but maybe he will be able to hire the right coaching uh, staff for uh, Nebraska football. And let's finish this thing up with that team up North, uh, the Wolverines <laughs> and, and one of the most hardball things ever yeah. will alternate quarterback starters for the first two games of the season. What could possibly go wrong with that, Johnny? Everything's fine in Ann Arbor, right? Yeah, no, that's fine. You know what? Here's the thing, though. Like, as much as I'm, I've made fun of it and will continue to make fun of it because it is stupid, you're going to platoon guys and, like, say, we're going to continue the competition. By the way, if you're going to continue the competition, don't tell people you're going to continue the competition. Just do it. Just say you want to get both guys' experience or something like that. Just lie. Don't, don't encourage the quarterback controversy that's sure to emerge anyway if you're going to try to get both of these guys snaps and here's the thing they're really just doing that because they saw it work last year and i think they're worried about um jj mccarthy transferring so they're going to go okay well all right Cade mcnamara just was voted as a team captain and he's the guy who you know essentially led this team to the college football playoff we can't you know kneecap this guy on the other hand, we got a guy who we think is more talented and we really don't want him to transfer. And so we're going to have to figure out a way to soft pedal this thing. And by the way, if you're listening to me say all that and it sounds exactly like 2015, that's because it is exactly like 2015 in Ohio State where they had two guys and then realized that um, one was probably the better choice but didn't want to, uh, to screw up team cohesion by picking one or the other. So look, I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. Their schedule is just complete trash i mean it's really 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 bad how bad is um, it johnny it's 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 straight garbage it's the 112th worst um 112th worst schedule in the country and they're going to be playing i think in their second game i think first game's colorado state second game is a uh a hawaii team that just got beat by over 50 points against vanderbilt um like yeah, Hawaii had, I think, literally something like two-thirds of their team transfer. <laughs> so yeah, it's they're gonna they're gonna be fine. That's the thing. It's gonna be absurd and stupid. And the real danger here is the fact that you're not gonna learn anything about these guys. So if, if the real goal is to create clarity onto who the Michigan starting quarterback is gonna be, well, you're not gonna get that. So it's just gonna go back to whatever decision that Harbaugh wanted to make in the first place, but was too you know, chicken shit to, to do it at the beginning of the season. Um, noted, noted Michigan man, Desmond Howard, uh, wasn't brave enough to say that the Wolverines would win the national title, but he does have them in the national title game, which they could, I mean, look it, by the end of the season, by the end of the season, they will most likely going into the Ohio state game, be undefeated that there is a very, very good chance of that they still have a great running game. All right. Their wide receivers are going to be much better than they were last year. They get Ronnie Bell back. They've got guys like Cornelius Johnson who are solid, like really good, possibly breakout players. If, you know, Harbaugh can get his head out of his ass and just put JJ, you know, JJ McCarthy out there and say, all right, you're the starter. Let's coach you up a little bit. They have a potential to be a very, very potent offense. Now, defensively, they're going to have trouble because they lost basically everybody. They got three returning starters, but here's the thing that won't matter until the Ohio state game. Uh, if they get over Ohio state somehow in Columbus, they're going to be back in and potentially play for a national championship. 
The problem is, is them not being stupid. And Jim Harbaugh avoided that last season. I'm curious to see if that happens again with the new coaching staff and, and maybe people telling him, you know, not telling him to shut the hell up when he says something absurd. I'm uh, curious to see just how laughable they can be despite having such a ridiculously easy schedule because I, it's really easy. I'm just expecting, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some hilarity that ensues. Can't, can't, I can't expect anything different. It's just, you know, in this, this situation with the quarterbacks, it's just a, it's a perfect way to start perfect way to start what I think will be a laughable uh, campaign over time. Maybe not at the beginning. Cause as you said, I'm praying that they lose to like Colorado state or something like, that. I mean, like have another Appalachian right. state moment. That would be manna from heaven for me, really as somebody who has to write about them every week. Yes, that would be fantastic. All right, friends, this time next week, we're going to be talking about the game that was, and the next one to come, it's exciting. The season's here. Well, As real quick, Johnny wrote this week. Yeah, we'll let you t- I want to say something before we roll out here. We got a prediction. We got to make some predictions here, Chief. Oh God, what, yeah, what we 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 do need to do that. Good point. Uh, wow, I came woefully unprepared for this. Uh, my prediction is pain in in the spirit of BA Baracus, uh, Mister T himself. I think Ohio State is is going to walk all over Notre Dame. You are right that they Notre Dame does have a decent defense, but Ohio State's offense is exceptional. Uh, exceptional is that a word? Exceptional. <laughs> uh, I am I am beyond excited to see what Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud and this plethora of weapons around him can do uh, to a top five team. I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to say Ohio State over Notre Dame. Uh, I'm going to call it to the tune of 42 to 19, 42 to 19. I like that. You know what? I, I will go just slightly different. Uh, I will say maybe like, let's say 45 to 17, something like that. Yeah. That's probably the number I actually meant to say. Cause I don't know how the heck I got to 19. That implies some a couple safeties. I don't know. Yeah. You that's know, not what happen. I meant, but, uh, you know, missed a, we'll miss a, we'll miss a, uh, an extra point. That's it. Defense blocks an extra point. There you go. Yeah. See, Good times easy. will be had by all. All right, friends, uh, leave your predictions in the comments so that we know uh, what you think is going to go down. I'm excited about it. Until next week, when we talk about real football, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.